This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Ice surfing day around the NHL. Yes, I couldn't resist with 16 games on the go around the league. Shout out to uh, Steve Dangle, Jason York, Stan Narodka, Kaylee Sibley, our old ice surfing crew. They used to whip around the games on Tuesday night on Twitter on a show that we love doing called Ice Surfing. John Butchergrass and Kevin Weeks will do the same tonight uh, for ESPN. Very much looking forward to all of this. Uh, welcome to the program here for Tuesday, October the 24th. Uh, I will be your Massacre of Ceremonies, Jeff Merrick. Thanks so much for joining me today. Also joining me in a couple of moments is uh, Elliot Friedman, uh, A-block free, as we call him. He kicks off pretty much every program here when he's not on a writing day, and those are usually Wednesdays. Elliot's going to stop by here in a couple of moments. Uh, a number of things to go over. Have a look back at last night's game, Montreal over the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, we'll talk about the goaltending at both ends of the ice as well. And we should probably park a little bit of time. And he's out with an upper body injury and will not play tonight for the Montreal Canadiens. But uh, we talk about players that have painful shifts and leave it all on the ice. All those stereotypes that we say that we all love about hockey and hockey players. Uh, the toughness and the endurance and the pain and all of that. Killing penalties yesterday. David Savard. David Savard of the Montreal Canadiens in a shift where not only does he lose a blade on his skates, uh, but eats a couple of shots as well. It looked like one of them caught him right in the hip too. And these are not little limp spaghetti wrist shots. These are laser beams from various members of the Buffalo Sabres. David Savard earned it last night for the Montreal Canadiens, and Jake Allen helped the Montreal Canadiens earn two points with a 36-save performance, Montreal Canadiens on Rogers Monday Night Hockey take care of the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, Problems with Buffalo scoring, problems again with Buffalo with attendance. I know we've harped on Winnipeg a lot about attendance, but Buffalo and your 13,000 and your large patches of empty seats or fans coming disguised as empty seats. Not sure what that was. We're looking your direction as well. Meanwhile, it is frozen frenzy night in the NHL. 16 games, 32 teams, all staggered times as well. Bravo. NHL is going to do this another time later on this um, this season as well. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Mike Liute. Here's a question. Was Mike Liute the best goaltender of the 80s? Certainly the first half of the 80s, he was. And Mike Liute goes into the St. Louis Blues Hall of Fame along with Pavel Dimitra and Big Walt, Keith Kachuk, uh, later in January. Uh, Mike Liute will stop by. You know, I can recall when when Mike Liute, I was old enough to remember this, when Mike Liute joined the the National Hockey League, um, coming in from the WHA where he played with the Cincinnati Stingers, he was considered the next Ken Dryden. He was a large goaltender, uh, was really good. 1981 was the uh, the runner-up in the Hart Trophy. I think it was only like 10 votes shy of Wayne Gretzky. Uh, for the Hart Trophy as well. That might have been the closest anyone came to beating Wayne Gretzky. I should probably check that before I shoot my mouth off. But it feels right, so I'm going to say it anyway. I think he was the closest to uh, to dethroning Wayne Gretzky in one of the Hart Trophy seasons. Uh, so Mike Liu comes up at the bottom of the hour. Mike Kelly from NHL Network. Brian Ray will talk to us as well about the Dallas Stars in hour two. In the meantime, uh, someone who always has his facts correct unlike me, who just shoots from the hip here on a consistent basis. We'll let the facts, Elliot Friedman, sort themselves out here on the program. How are you doing today, Fried, from 32,000 in Canada? How are you, pal? I'm good. How are you doing, Jeff? 
Uh, I'm good. I'm looking forward to talking to Mike Leute at the bottom of the yep. hour. Like, I'm looking forward to the 16 games tonight. That's going to be a lot of fun. The time staggers as well. So for people that aren't just fans of one specific team or might want to, you know, sample uh, other teams as well and have a peek at, well, what's this Dallas team all about? Well, I haven't seen Philadelphia yet. You're going to be able uh, to do that tonight. So I'm looking forward to that. But I'm really looking forward to talking to Mike Leute as well and really happy for him and Pavel Dimitra and, and Big Walt Keith Kachuk going into the St. Louis Blues Hall of Fame. Before we get going, do you have a quick thought on on Mike Leute? I, I One of the things that I wonder about is, was he the best goaltender of the 80s? And I think he was certainly the best goaltender of the first half of the 80s. I'm not sure about the, the whole decade, but do you have a thought on either Mike Leute, the player, Mike Leute, the agent, uh, Mike Leute, the member of the Players Association, Mike Leute, the lawyer? Take your pick. Boy, there's a lot there. I mean, I remember, if I recall correctly, that year, you mentioned where he just missed beating Gretzky. Um, I think yeah. they got knocked out early in the playoffs. We had him on the podcast. He talked about this. They got yep. knocked out early in the playoffs because he got hit in the mask with, with a shot. And when he was down, kind of recovering, I think Chicago scored the game winning, the series winning goal. And uh, so I always remembered that one because they were such a good team that year. Um, you know, obviously, as I've come up in the business, I've dealt with him a lot more as an agent, and he's yep. a pretty passionate guy. Um, you know, I knew if I got a call from Michael Ute about something that he really didn't like something I said, and uh, I was going <laughs> to hear about it. And it wasn't going to be a short conversation either. He's, he's quite a talker. Uh, I also remember, you know, yeah. Hartford, when they won their first playoff series, he was the goalie. And they had an epic yep. uh, series with the Montreal Canadiens. Claude Lemieux scoring in overtime in Game 7 to win that series for Montreal. I remember that series very well. Yeah, he was, uh, he w- he was remarkable. And was, as you mentioned, agent with, uh, with Octagon, represented amongst other players, uh, Sergei Fedorov as well. So I-, I have a hard time believing you would say anything negative about Sergei Fedorov, but I would imagine it might have been um, another player from Leon Dreisaitl, too. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, absolutely. Um, before uh, before Mike Leute, uh retired as an agent, like there's he's he's represented some heavyweights uh, over yep. the years. Anyway, bottom of the hour, Mike Leute stopping by. Look, great talker too. I, I I wonder if he was ever in consideration for the executive director position of the NHLPA. I'll ask him that as uh, towards the bottom of the hour. Anyway, um, first of all, before we get to what's going to be 16 games in the Frozen Frenzy tonight, uh, one thing that I was mentioning, and it's more than just polite putt for par. You know, uh, applause, uh, but it was more like a, a thunderous ovation, which is what he deserved. You ever thought on what you saw from that one penalty kill shift from David Savard last night? Oh, the my goodness. Now, he's out with an upper yep. body injury, but loses a blade, just eating shots, like jumping in front of everything. And it is, well, I mean, that's what you do here in the second round of the play. Oh, no, wait a minute. It's October, and already he's diving in front of all of these pucks on the penalty kill. Your thoughts on David Savard? Well, I mean, it was quite a shift. Everybody saw it. It went viral last night. But I don't think anybody who knows David Savard would be surprised. Like That's, that's his game. It's funny. I was talking uh, about him with someone last week, and um, you know, they, they said that this is a guy who still wants to play for a long time. Well, nothing will shorten a career than a sh- more like a shift than that one. But <laughs> you're not, you're not going to expect anything different. I mean... 
uh, you know, that's one of those things, um, you know, like th- that's the kind of thing that separates a lot of people uh, from those who make it and those who don't is that are like, that's extreme, I think, in a lot of ways, but it's what made David yeah. Savard an NHLer. And um, I, you know, I think that kind of shift separates like, like, you know, Jeff, I mean, you said it, it's a playoff. It's a thing that some, a lot of guys do in the playoffs, but it can separate you <laughs> getting a job that even gets you anywhere near the playoffs yeah. from not getting one. You know, I was really happy speaking of shot blockers getting paid and there's always been, you know, the the thing around the NHL don't pay play don't pay shot blockers because, you know, uh, they may be out there they're always one shot away from being either injured mm-hmm. or the career being over. I was really happy when one of my favorite shot blockers, Jay McKee, um, ended up getting paid by the St. Louis Blues after blocking all those shots with the Buffalo Sabres. It's almost as if you're crossing your fingers and you're saying I really hope that this player stays healthy enough to hit free agency so they can finally make money to help set up their family. Thankfully, Jay McKee got there, but there have been some great ones over the years. Dan Girardi and Anton yep. Volchenkov was, was another Chris one. Chris Tanev. Who seemed to have... Chris Tanev is another great one, too. Like, it's always interesting the way that it seems that um, there are just certain players that whose who's pain threshold is just higher than everybody else's. But you know what's interesting too, Elliot? Let me just go off on a quick tangent here. When you and I grew up, a common thing that we would see is the flamingo, where a guy would you know skate out and instead of blocking a shot, he would raise one leg and let the shot go through. Um, I, I guess those players were sort of ridiculed or humiliated out of the game yes. or that move was. I can't remember the last time I saw anybody flamingo, but you would remember like that used to be an actual term in the game. Oh, this guy's just a flamingo out there. Oh, he's not going to block the shot. He's just going to get out there and flamingo. That was, I, I just remembering now, that was an actual thing in hockey not too long ago. You know, I'll, I'll tell you this. The one situation where I really remember that happening and – uh, if I'm getting in my old age, if I'm getting some of the details wrong, then people will correct me. But I think I have the general situation right. In those years where Ottawa and Toronto used to play in the playoffs all the time and those series got really nasty, there was a game mm-hmm. where the Leafs scored a big goal. And I think it was Sammy Sallow who flamingoed. And uh, it was a huge goal for Toronto. And I think Don Cherry came on after either with intermission or after the game. I don't remember whichever it was, but he was very vocal in his dislike for that play and how it cost Ottawa a goal. And if I remember correctly, it was Salo got like besieged by reporters after been the Salo. game. I don't think What's it would have been Salo. It would have been someone else. You, you would, it wouldn't have been Sammy Salo. I'm trying to think of who it was then, but whoever it was, it was okay. they got they got into a position where uh, I think Sean McEachern had to tell the media they'd asked enough questions. I have to look this up. I'm going to do this while I'm walking here. I'll half listen to your questions, <laughs> but I I do remember this happening where Sean McEachern came and said. Um, trying to hold think on one second. This is now, Jeff. I just uh, hold is... on one sec. Put me on hold for just a quick sec. 
Okay, I think I know what this might be. All right, pause with uh, with Elliot here for a couple of seconds. Um, we'll we'll see what happens here in a, uh, in, in, a, in a in a in a second here. Anyway, um, do want to mention again there are sixteen games this evening. We're going to get to as many as we can here. The action begins tonight, uh, 6 o'clock Eastern, with the Toronto Maple Leafs facing off against the Washington Capitals. And I know there's a lot of questions about the Capitals and the goal scoring and a lot of questions about Alexander Ovechkin and the goal scoring. And it's always interesting seeing Austin Matthews facing off against Alexander Ovechkin because as much as we anticipate Alexander Ovechkin eventually beating Wayne Gretzky's goal scoring record, um, I think if there's anybody, and I'm not, I'm not the only one who's made this point, obviously, if there's anybody who is, whenever Ovechkin's career is done, uh, come close to or maybe beat what the new goals record is going to be, as we're, we're getting it set, it would probably be Austin Matthews. Meantime, Elliot Friedman uh, returns. Did you figure out who it was for each? Uh, no, I haven't figured it out yet because I was just... Uh... I'm just looking at this. Um, I think, Jeff, there uh, there may be a resolution in the um, stick tape issue. I'm just working on it while we're doing it now, uh, while we're talking now. But I think that there's well, been on. a. Do you, do you want? Do you want? Do you want to go? Do you want to go do it and then come back? Like, uh, don't yeah, in that's for probably, a penny, in for a pound. Go and do it and then come, and come that's back. Probably, do that and then that's probably it. Do uh, do it, and I'll just sort of filibuster here for a while. And um, it's interesting because when you know we saw Travis Dermott wear this in the in the air the this the pride tape in the Arizona Anaheim game, and the NHL said something along the lines of it will be dealt with in due course. Um, which I think many people looked at and said, eh, you know, is the NHL just going to, you know, as one person said to me, Sergeant Schultz, this, uh, I know nothing, I see nothing, and just pretend that nothing happened and, and hope that it goes away. We talked about this last week, that the NHL probably needed a climb down from this position um, because of all the negative headlines around it. Um, and in I agree with all those negative headlines, and I thought the Ian Mendez piece uh, on the weekend about Travis Dermott uh, and the Pride tape was a really bad-looking headline for the NHL, NHL to investigate tape on player stick. Like, it it really hammered home how, uh, how ridiculous this was and how unenforceable this was as you go into the... Uh, the rules and how players are allowed to wear whatever color tape they choose. This was, as many people have pointed out, and rightfully so, a self-inflicted wound. Um, this was Sideshow Bob and the Rakes. That's what this was. And if what Elliot is um, talking about here is, is coming to fruition, it's it's a good thing. We'll, we'll see where this one ends up. But, you know, Alan Walsh tweeted about this a couple of days ago saying, you know, after Travis Dermott, uh, came out with the pride tape with Arizona the other day. Uh, he expected more players to do the same. Elliot uh, returns here. Elliot, is there a uh, is there a conclusion to all of this? Is there something new? Yeah, it it sounds like Jeff. There's going to be an announcement at some point today that uh, between the league, the players' association, and the player inclusion coalition, players will have the option to uh, voluntarily represent uh, social causes with their stick tape throughout the season. So that's, that's I, like, it's, it's not been made official yet, but 
I'm getting multiple people telling me that this is where we're headed uh, sometime today. Okay. Okay. Um, One quick follow-up on this. Did you expect more players to follow? I mean, we saw Alan Walsh tweeting about this. Uh, We know that there, I mean, Scott Lawton has, you know, talked about this before, like, oh, I'll probably wear it on our Pride Day, et cetera. Did you expect more players to follow Travis Dermott's example on the weekend? Uh, Yeah, I think think so. I mean, uh, like, there's no question that a number of players were talking about it, um, that... Uh, that there it was like I do think it was moving in this kind of uh, direction. So I think you know Dermot has always done it. Um, it's not unusual yeah. for him. And I think there were some other players talking about it. But I did have one tell me a couple days ago that they thought we were moving um, in this direction. So maybe some guys just decided to wait. I, I can't speak for them. Okay, uh, we'll stand by. Um, something coming a little bit later on today. So who are the, the primaries involved here? The NHL, the NHL Players Association, and the Players and Player Inclusion, Inclusion Coalition, yes. Coalition, okay, very good. Uh, we will stand by for that official announcement sometime later on today as that position has now been climbed down um, from. Uh, meanwhile, I, I thought it might be I thought it might be fun, Elliot, uh, if we today focused on number two, the number twos in each division, because we've talked so much about Colorado. We've talked about the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, we've talked about, you know, the Philadelphia Flyers who are on top of the Metropolitan Division. And when is Morgan Frost going to get into a game? Uh, and we've talked a lot about the Boston Bruins and the Detroit Red Wings who both have 10 points in the Atlantic. I'm curious your thoughts on the number twos and a couple of number twos. And we'll start with the Metropolitan. Do you have a thought right now? They're 3-2 and two after five games playing at a 600 clip. They are the New York Rangers, sir. Do we have a thought on the New York Rangers, Elliot's? Uh, I didn't know what to make of them uh, earlier uh, in the season. Um, You know, I I saw there were a couple games where it looked like they were still adjusting. Um, You know, I've liked what I've... I'm really interested in this road trip. I mean, they look good in Seattle. They looked mean in Seattle, too. Like, it was... uh, They they Mm. clearly had a thing with Yanni Gord. Um, I, I think we're still kind of figuring out, you know, like what exactly it's all going to look like once they get a bit more used to Laviolette. But, Jeff, if you believe in the Laviolette bump, it's... First year. It, it looks like it's... It looks like there's something to it. Uh, we're going to talk about Dallas coming up in, in the second hour a little more in depth. But uh, the Dallas Stars, we've talked about them as being... You know, just sort of a, a shade below the avalanche, but still a Stanley Cup contender in the West, number two in the Central right now, no surprise. The Dallas Stars. And we talked about the Dallas Stars and Patrick Kane the other day on the podcast as well, and that could be a possible fit as you look on the right side of Dallas. What does Elliot Friedman say about the Stars these days? Well, I, you know, I really like Dallas. I, I like their team. Um, you know, I think I, I kind of look like you look at the last two Stanley Cup champions and they're still very much contenders. If you wanted to look at kind of the next tier right there, I think the Dallas Stars are absolutely uh, in that group. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, the thing that to me that really stood out is 
could they rest Ottinger a bit more? Could they get him some time, Jeff, where he could relax? And they're in a situation now where it looks like they did. And, uh, you know, Wedgwood had a really good start the other night. They need that. I think, I think they're a hell of a yep. team. And I just think the question is, can, can they get to a situation where Ottinger doesn't look like he's burned out by the third round as he did last year? Absolutely. Um, and then the, the, the last thing I want to get your thoughts on, and, and it's a biggie, and we've talked about you know, Quinn Hughes a lot lately. Um, where are you at on the Vancouver Canucks early in the season? Well, as you know, I, I'm I'm all pro Vancouver. Like you know, <laughs> right now it like I, I I was I was fun. I was doing my Donnie and Dolly hit yesterday, and I was really pandering to the uh, left coast. So I'm just continuing in that nice. way. Look, I, you know what I think is really important there, Jeff. Their best players have been really good. You know, Quinn Hughes has been really good. JT Miller has been really JT good. JT Miller, Elias Patterson's been really good. Demko's been good, and I think the key there, too, is the Smith has given them good performances. Uh, you know, Demko's another guy who's battled a lot of those, like, groin, abdominal injuries kinds of things, and you, that says to me that you got – it's like Ottinger. You have to give him a break, and the Smith has given them some yeah. good performances. I, you, you know, I'll tell you, too, the one thing that Tockett does really well is he empowers – um, some guys who may not have the biggest roles, the Dakota J- Joshua's, the, the Giuseppe's. I think they need a little bit more help from their depth. But to me, the best thing about the Canucks so far is that their best, their, their best players have been their best players. Mm-hmm. Is there any more uh, news, or are we still just in the uh, the casual conversation phase of the uh, what will be inevitably, whenever it happens, a Connor Garland deal? I, I just don't know. Like, I, I, I don't think the issue is a lack of will. I just think, look, it's a tight league. Um, you know, I said this yesterday. There's a deal from a hockey point of view that makes some sense, like a Washington. Like, you can see how a Washington-Vancouver uh, deal or Washington, I, maybe not directly, but Washington moves out of Vancouver and maybe they take a Garland um, maybe a third team needs to be involved, but the fact is, it just the money doesn't work. So I think you've got two issues here: does the fit work and does the money work, and and that's the biggest challenge. Okay, um, a couple of other things around the NHL today. It's a votes in day for the decentralization of the draft. Now, again, this is only one person mentioning this to me. One. Uh, one manager who said it sounds like this is going to be split. Do you have the same information or something different? Sorry, can you repeat that? I admit I was distracted uh, by a squirrel. <laughs> Actually, it was a text That's the most message, honest thing I'll you've ever said. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so today is decentralization of the draft yes. vote day. Votes need to be in today. I believe it's 5 o'clock Eastern. Each team gets one vote, and that's it. A number of teams have already voted. Do we know which way the wind is blowing on this one? You know, one manager that I texted with said it's, it, it's gonna, it, it sounds like it's going to be split based on that person's information and conversations. Do you have similar information or something different? I, I think that... <sighs> Most like, like I don't talk to everyone, and you may surprise 
It may surprise you, Jeff, when I ask about this. There are people that ignore my text messages or choose not to respond. So I'm always very... It's not just me. Like I'm, I'm, yes, like yourself. So, you know, you're always worried about, you know, hey, can you, uh, can you, like, are you getting a true sample of what people are talking about? My sense right. is it's leaning towards the change, but I'm, I really don't want to exclaim that with any incredible de- degree of certainty. Like I read Pierre's article yesterday in The Athletic, and he said, and like he talked to Lamorello, who was pretty clear about it, that he's voting for change. So, and and the, judging from what Ken Holland and and Joe Sackick said too, they looked like they were leaning in that direction. And so, like the other thing I always wonder about is if 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 people like them, Sackick being a hall of all of them being hall of famers are feeling that way, is there a pull with them? And I had heard hmm. that some of the more senior people wanted to try it and change and see how it went. So that, I always wonder, like, what's the peer pressure in all this? Like, if, if some senior people hmm. really feel strongly about it, does that mean that other people get pulled in that direction? We'll see where that heads. Um, amongst the, uh, the 16 games tonight, um, Buffalo and Ottawa, and a special night for Craig Anderson. It is uh, official retirement day. We'll sign as a send, uh, retire 645 Eastern is a game against the Buffalo Sabres. He does have a, a mentorship role uh, with the Swords, so he remains very much in the game. Um, now that he's going to sign this final contract and, and call it a career, do you have a thought on what we just saw, the body of work, I guess both on and off the ice, because off the ice he was he was outstanding as well. Uh, a thought on everything involving Craig Anderson. Well, you know, I, I think the amazing thing about Craig Anderson is, um, you know, he a hugely competitive guy. Like that's, you know, I always, remember, I always think that if you're going to be successful in life, you have to be, a really competitive person and he's a he's a hugely competitive guy so i i always think about that but you know the the thing that when you really look at it jeff he kind of bounced around a bit before he got to ottawa he'd have great performances and not so great performances and you know people didn't really know him well or on the way out like they'd be like ah you know difficult guy to get to know and then, unfortunately, his family goes through a real challenging thing, and the way he handles it completely changes people's impressions of him, right? And, you know, I think that, you know, we all find out who we really are when we get challenged or when we go through a, a traumatic thing in life, and you hope that isn't the case for anyone. You hope nobody has to go through that, him and his wife and their family. But the way he handled it, like it it basically turned him into a really popular person and NHLer. just the, the grace and the strength that he and his family showed. And, uh, you know, I, like, I remember when he signed in Buffalo, like the word before was that he was going to retire because he just couldn't play anymore. And all of a sudden that day yeah. he signed and I, and I completely missed it. I didn't see it coming. And I called someone and I said, what? And they go, Buffalo called and Craig was like, you know what? I, I want to do this. And 
I mean, what a career he he turned out uh, after. And, like, some of those last games in Buffalo when he was clearly hurting and things like that, and he, they, they tried to tell him not to practice, and he wouldn't not practice. Like, I mean, just what a what an inspiring guy. Yeah, it, and, you know, it, it seemed like a really good fit, too, with uh, Buffalo on and off the ice. No surprise that he's got a mentor uh, position. Uh, I believe, and I'm just doing this off the top of my head here. You can correct me if you if you know. Um, I think that that decision by the Buffalo Sabres to go with Craig Anderson. I believe the decision was either Craig Anderson or Devin Dubnik. Those 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 were the two that they were choosing from, and they ended up going with Craig Anderson, who just worked, you know, spectacularly uh, both both on and off the ice for the Buffalo Sabres. So, listen, wonderful career. Um, I can't help but thinking that he helped a lot of goaltenders uh, along the way. The the one thing that um, our buddy Kevin Woodley from In Goal Magazine would always tell me is Craig Anderson. He was he would say something along the lines of nobody read the puck off the blade better than Craig Anderson. Like I'm always I remember asking him once, like, what is it about Anderson that other goalies see that they marvel at? And he said, That's the one thing. Nobody reads the puck off the blade better than Craig Anderson. Um before I let you go, a thought on the first game, six o'clock Eastern, Maple Leafs and Washington Capitals. Caps have been firing blanks. Uh Ovi hasn't been firing at all. Um hasn't been able to, to hit the nets. Uh we're not used to seeing this out of Alexander Ovechkin, but do you have a thought on on both sides of the rink? The first game is the uh, the Maple Leafs and the Washington Capitals. The final game will be Philly. Again, Morgan frost uh facing mm-hmm. off against the Golden Knights. Uh, Washington and Toronto, your thoughts? Uh, I would say that, first of all, um, inertia is level of inertia is going to be very high later tonight. Uh, it's a good thing I got my walk-in now because I don't think I'm going to be getting a lot of steps in later. There will be a deep indentation yeah. on the couch. <laughs> because I'm going to be writing while watching. Yes. I, I'm looking. I'm looking forward yes. to it. You know, I had someone said to me, you know, it's it's quite a night for sports, eh? We've got Game Seven of uh, Phillies Diamondbacks. Yes. We've got Opening Night yep. in the NBA, and uh, this this by the NHL. Like it is an orgy of sporting activity tonight, and uh, I'm going to enjoy every second of it. Uh, doing some ironing of the couch with your ass. You won't be the only one. Thanks, Fridge. We will talk. Uh, it's a writing day for you, so we'll talk to you on Thursday. We will. Take care, Jeff. Be well, bud. Okay. There he is. Elliot Friedman, uh, who a couple of moments ago uh, said that there is a resolution coming uh, where players will be able to uh, will have the option to wear tape indicating whichever special cause they see fit uh, for the remainder of the season. Uh, the NHL, the NHL Players Association, the Player Inclusion Coalition as well of making this announcement later on this afternoon. Should it have taken this?